My name is Sarah and I serve on our Kids Life team. We're so glad to have you here at church today. If you're new to Life Church or want to know more about who we are as a church, you can join us for our Grow classes. Grow classes take place in our conference room the first two Sundays of every month at 10:30. You can sign up for our January Grow classes on the back of your connection card. For more information about Grow, please visit us at our Welcome Center out in the lobby and someone will be there to answer any questions that you may have. Christmas is finally here, and we have four amazing Christmas Eve candlelight services planned for you and your families. Our service times are 6.30 p.m. on Thursday the 21st, and on Sunday the 24th, our service times are 9.30 a.m., 2.30, and 4 p.m. During those services, Kids Life will be hosting their very own Christmas Eve candlelight celebration. Our Kids Life Dream Team has planned a special Christmas service for your children. So be sure to bring your kids along with you to church for an amazing Christmas experience. This Christmas season, we have the amazing opportunity to help the homeless in our communities. Over the next two weeks, we will be collecting bed-sized blankets for those in need. If you'd like to help, you can bring a blanket into our lobby by our Welcome Center. 
That's it for Life Church News. Enjoy the rest of your service. This again. Good morning, everybody. You guys ready for Christmas? Wow, that was better than the last service. They were like, oh, is that coming up? <laughs> well, I'm Pastor Tom. Thank you for being here today. And, and like we talked about, our Christmas services are coming up. Uh, actually, this Thursday coming up is our first Christmas service. Man, it's just around the corner. I am very excited about it. And I think a lot of those people on the 8 o'clock service are on the naughty list. I don't know why they weren't excited about it, but I am. Um, and just so you know, all the services that we're doing for Christmas Eve uh, and, and Thursday are all going to be the same. And uh, we would love to have some of your help. Um, we, we, we need a little help in our, our uh, 2.30 and 4 o'clock uh, services for ushering. And, um, and what some people are doing is they're coming to Thursday service with their family or 9.30, and then they're coming back to serve in the afternoon. So maybe consider doing that. Sign up in the back of the connection card that Pam talked about. Just write usher and the time that you can help. We'd love to have you involved. And, you know, it's all, what's cool about that is you get a chance to be a part of the team. Not just a spectator, but a participant, getting on the team and helping us out and being part of the Christmas services. And um, um, Pastor Brian, starting in the first of the year, is going to be doing a, uh, a new series from Galatians, and it's going to be really exciting. We're going to go through the book of Galatians, uh, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the, the, the Galatian church. And, and uh, we're going to start this plan. It's on version. It's 40 days. And if you want to sign up for it and get ready and start, the, uh, at least for January 1st, to be on the same page as us as we go through the book of Galatians. Let's pray, and we'll get started with our service. Dear Lord, thank you for this, this word today. Thank you for this simple Christmas service and the series that we're doing, Lord. Help us to, to be simple with our faith and joy, and help us to have love from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you missed last week, I'd recommend going online. Pastor Brian did a great job and he looked at the character of Joseph uh, in the Bible. And, you know, and, and Jesus' stepdad, Jesus' dad on earth was Joseph. And he did such a great job unpacking that story and that character of Joseph. And, uh, and he talked about Joseph being a good man, the scripture says. And uh, we're going to continue on this simple Christmas, Christmas series talking about Jesus' other parent, Mary. And uh, you received a uh, insert. Uh, in your bulletin when you came in. And all the scriptures I use are going to be on there. So uh, feel free to take that out, grab a pen, and follow along. I'd love to have you join us with that. Um, <clears throat> let's take a look at the reading. And it's from first, uh, Luke 1, starting on verse 26. And I'm just going to read through this. It's in your handout, and you can read along or follow with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Angel Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Is that the way your husband wakes you up in the morning? It's a little hint, guys. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm still a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more... 
your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. It is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I love that scripture. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Well, let's take a look at this character in the Bible, Mary, Jesus' mom. You know, growing up, I saw pictures of Mary. I mean, something like this, you know. I went to Catholic church, and I was raised in the Catholic church, and every picture of Mary was sort of like this. I mean, she was beautiful, perfect skin and, and hair and, and piercing blue eyes and, and um, always dressed nice and, and robes and on a gold throne with angels and harps. And Was that really her? Was that really Mary from the Bible? Well, today, uh, well, Mary actually and her family came from a very, very poor family. And uh, if you look at poverty levels today in the United States, it says that a family of four living under $24,000 a year or about 500 bucks a week is considered in the poverty level, which is, you know, it's not a lot of money. But if you equate it to their times and, their, and our money in their times, it was probably they're trying to live on probably 10 bucks a day. Can you imagine how poor they were? The truth is, probably Mary was a lot different than this picture. Imagine a young girl working six days a week from sunup to sundown, gathering firewood from the stove to cook or to heat, lugging jugs and jugs of water for their family to have something to drink or, or to make things, making her own clothes, making food. Everything came from scratch. They didn't have a hand of her down the street, you know? walking around on dirt floors. If she was lucky, she maybe owned a pair of sandals. I would imagine if we saw her today, we would probably mistake her for a homeless person. She grew up in a Jewish household where they studied the Old Testament and the, and the scriptures of the prophets. She loved God and knew the second half of Proverbs 31. And I'm guessing she did her best to live that way. She was also taught that the Messiah will be born from a virgin, from the line of David, which she was from, which is foretold in the book of Isaiah. I'm guessing this young girl had hopes and dreams of a better life and a husband and children and family. So about age 12 to 14, most people say that she got engaged to Joseph. And she might have known Joseph and his family growing up. I mean, they might have gone to the same synagogue together. Maybe they even sat together. Maybe she even took some classes together with Joseph in school. Mary, pro Mary probably have her, had her life planned out, right? Any gals planners in here? Come on, be honest. This is church, right? Any gals, you plan things. You have everything planned out for your life, especially when you're young. You have these dreams and hopes, and, and everything's going to be a certain way. She said, I'm going to marry this good-looking, hard-working man, Joseph, from a good family, and we're going to live happily ever after, right? Then, bam, one night an angel shows up and says, guess what? You've been selected. Everything changed, right? And what does she say? What's the first thing that she says? But she's like, huh, I don't get it. If this happened today, she might have said something like, say what? Or shut the front door. No, I don't know. She might have said something different, right? Put yourself in her shoes for a minute. What would you say? Probably something worse, some of you, right? <laughs> My first point is this. Mary was real. 
in your notes, real. And you can put in the parentheses, authentic or human. She was real. She's just like you and I. And Pastor Brian asked me to share. He says, I want you to share this message on a simple Christmas. And I'm going to ask you to share about a character. And I immediately thought, oh, I could talk about Gabriel, this this warrior angel, or the wise men. Those guys were cool. He goes, I want you to talk about Mary. I'm going, say, what? No. <laughs> oh, my great. How am I going to, I don't know anything about Mary. She's a girl. I don't, you know, what do I know? I'm just being real. I wasn't really excited until I dove in and read about her life and her story. Pastor Brian last week talked about Mary and Joseph leaving um, Jesus at the temple. I mean, they went back to the temple, and they, le- they spent a few days there, and they left, and they forgot him. And they're hustling and bustling. They had several other kids, too, and they were busy, and they always trusted Jesus. He, was, he never sinned. He never made a mistake, so they figured out he was with them. Then they had to go back. They had to turn around and go back. And what does she say? Son, why have you done this to us? Now, when you read that, you, you can put this, this um, lens on, and you think Mary said it like this. Son, why have you done this to us? I don't think that's how it went. I think she was probably ticked. And she probably said, son, why have you done this to us? I mean, what would you have said? Probably something, you know, wait till I get to your father here. I mean, her reaction was real, right? I mean, she, she's just like you and I. And some of us, and even when I was growing up, and we kind of deified or edified so much Mary, we'd even pray or worship. That's not what the Bible says. She's just like you and I. Only one has been on this earth without sin, and that's Jesus. It says in Romans that we've all fallen short. We've all sinned, including her. So Mary hears the angel and this prophecy, and after a short questioning, she says what? Yes. She says yes to the call. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. So Mary was real, but she was also obedient. In your notes, you can write that down. Mary was obedient. Imagine for a moment what that must have been like for her. I mean, God had not spoken to his people for about 400 years. Imagine all the stories of, the, of Moses and coming out of the, to the promised land. All these stories had probably waned over that period of time. I mean, we have a hard time standing in line for 15 minutes. Imagine waiting for hundreds of years for something to be fulfilled, right? In that culture, men and women were engaged for about a year before they got married. That gave them time for the families to adjust, for them to build a house, for them to plan to have their life together. And technically, you couldn't break an engagement unless you got a certificate of divorce. So interesting enough, you could be divorced and still a virgin. Well, times have changed, <laughs> you know, in this culture today, right? And then the law said this. The law said if you were, if you were perceived or accused and you were married, and you were perceived or accused to be an adulterer or engaged, you could be stoned. That's, just so you know, what that means is that they would tie, them up on a, they would tie the person up on a tree, and they would throw rocks at them until they died. It's brutal. But that was what was at risk when she said yes to God's angel. Yes, I am your servant. The angel went on to say that in that scripture that she, twice that she was favored. I have no idea where this came from or where it was taught or told, but a lot of people think that when they accept Christ and start to follow Jesus, that everything is going to be easy, right? It's going to be smooth sailing. There's going to be no more issues, no more challenges, no more struggles. We're going to be on easy street. Well, I hate to tell you, break it to you. If, if that's what you think, that's not the case. 
Because life is still life. I mean, just look at Mary carrying the Son of God. It's very costly to her. No one ever would believe that she was still a virgin. I mean, can you imagine her talking to some of her girlfriends? And they're saying, so what you're saying is God was the one that impregnated you. Okay, Mary. (laughs) Think about it. I mean, just put yourself in her shoes for a minute. You know? I mean, her pregnancy was scandalous. And it brought disgrace and shame to both families. I I can imagine Joseph's Joseph's mom saying, you're still going to go through it. You're still going to marry her. This harlot, this... They faced a lot of scrutiny. As I think about it, I, I think it wasn't easy for her to know and then eventually show that she was pregnant before her wedding. I mean, she had to go through people staring at her, maybe in, in, in her community or at the temple, in the whispers, in the talk. Maybe at her wedding, she's in her wedding dress with her baby bump and is saying, you know, she's pregnant. Did you know? Maybe we might have expected when she heard that word favor from the angel that, oh, she was going to be treated like every other mom of a king with royalty and treated with, with fanfare and blessings. That wasn't the case. If you read on the story of Mary and Joseph, they had to go to Bethlehem for a census, right? And the Bible doesn't ever talk about her family being with her. That's an 80-mile trip. She's about nine months pregnant, and nobody's there but Joseph to help her. And you see pictures of her on a donkey. and The Bible doesn't say she was even on a donkey. She could have walked 80 miles with him. Wow. Because her family, both of their families had to go too for the census. They had to go. That's where they were from. And the whole thing about, remember the story in the, uh, the Christmas story about there was no room in the inn? You know, I, the more I thought about it, I'm thinking, what innkeeper would turn away a nine-month pregnant woman from at least getting something? I think she was shunned maybe from her family, her community, and people was like, hey, don't help them. They're, they're the outcasts. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing. Just think about that. So they had to, Joseph finds a barn for them to give birth. Ever been in a barn? Nobody. Great. I thought there was a bunch of farmers in this place. Okay, okay. Ever been in a barn? It smells awesome, doesn't it? You know what it smells like. You know what it must have been. All these animals were there. Let me look at the birth of Jesus. Now, I've been blessed to watch three kids be, be born. I used to say we, we had three kids, and my wife explained to me that my part was not as tough as hers, <laughs> so, which is true. But, you know, I watched three children come into this world, and it, it, if you watch the birth, it's interesting, to say the least, Right? And nothing in the scriptures say that Jesus' birth was any different than us. It was very human. It was very messy. Yeah. And then after they wrap him up, where to lay him down? Where are you going to lay down his bed? And they're in a barn with these animals, right? I mean, usually a Jewish girl would have all of her family around her. And they would be, uh, you know, uh, taking care of the child and rocking the child and singing to the child and rocking, so feed, help feeding, help cleaning, whatever it is. Nobody was there but Joseph. Where to put him down? Where to lay him? The only thing I could find was this manger, a dirty feeding trough for animals. I'm wondering how many animals actually fed. Imagine what it was like. I bet there was no hand sanitizer right next to it. You know? No. 
So put this baby in a manger in a stable full of beasts. Can you imagine what was going through Mary's mind? I mean, I even visualized Joseph kind of shooing away some animals as they thought maybe there was something there for them to eat. I don't know. I mean, in the, in the, in the feeding trial, they were so used to that, right? I wonder if Mary was thinking, is this what God's plan was? Is this really what it was supposed to be? Did we mess up? Did we, should I have said yes? Go back to that word favor. And I looked at it, and I was like, because I couldn't understand why she was favored, but how come she went through all this? Well, if you look at the word favor in the Greek, it means grace. And what I really believe it was is she was given grace by God to get through what it was going to be, what it was going to take for her to be the mother of the Messiah, all the challenges that she had. Because favor doesn't mean fairness. In your notes, you can write that down. Favor doesn't mean fairness. doesn't mean life is going to be fair. I mean, I look at my life. What brought me to this church many years ago, and I had businesses, and I had some issues, and, and, some comp- and things failed, and things didn't work, and I was brought to my knees financially. But that's probably the best place I needed to be because I had to look up. It wasn't easy. Then I got involved in dream teams and started serving and giving my life here. And some of it was hard. Some of it wasn't easy. And then about almost 10 years ago, I felt this call to be a pastor. And I went kicking and screaming. I'm like, I'm not worthy of this. I mean, who am I? I don't even, I mean, I know the book of maps in the Bible. That's about all I knew. I mean, I'm thinking, this is crazy. But I kept, God kept tugging, kept, kept on me to do it. And I said, okay, okay. Doesn't mean it was fair. Doesn't mean it was fun. Doesn't mean it was perfect. Even today, we have days that are really tough. Even in pastoral ministry, you think, oh, it's easy. You know, we just go in our office and watch our Bibles float and pray. No, that's not what we do. We're dealing with people. And it's not a week that goes by that we don't hear of something, some tragedy or some major issue happening in someone's life in our church. I mean, just this last week, I have two friends of mine that lost family members to drug addiction. Just, I mean, these are young kids, and it just hurts my heart, and I can't even imagine what they're feeling. That's why I pray every day, Lord, help me to obey. It's in Psalms. Help me to obey your commands. Help me to, to obey today, because if I, I can't do it on my own. And I ask God, and the Lord's prayer. It's funny how Jesus said, your will be done. Why? Because we want our will, and it's hard sometimes for us to do his will. I'm not saying this to discourage you or depress you and all that. I mean, it's life. We all have life happens, right? But I will tell you that God is a blesser and a rewarder, though. Even though we have challenges and struggles and issues, whatever it is, and, or even have fights. And, and I can't even count the blessings, though, this week, too, of marriages that I've heard of being restored or relationships that are getting better or people that are making decisions to follow Jesus. We just had baptisms about a couple weeks ago. There's like 20 people that said yes and get baptized. And it was so awesome to hear their stories and, and see what God is doing in their lives. And that's what it's all about. Or people that are making a decision to quit a habit or get some help or get some counseling on, on, on something, maybe a secret sin or something that they're dealing with or, or, or an issue or something they know is not right. God's been tugging on their heart and saying, yes, now I'm going to deal with this. Yeah. And then people giving above and beyond what they even think they could imagine. We just heard a story this week about uh, in, in Project Blessing, which is a great ministry here in our church. It was started by a church member many years ago, which helps people that are transitioning from 
homelessness into housing. They don't even have a toothbrush when they're transitioning. They don't even have basic stuff. And we're collecting blankets here at our church, full-size blankets. And the word got out. And a gal at our church uh, talked to her company. And the company said, well, we were, we're looking to do something. And dozens and dozens of blankets were donated by this company, all these people that work at this company. Wow. I mean, just, it just happened. Because people think they can give. They can bless. And that's exactly how God works. So you might be able to do that too. If you work at a company, run it by them. Maybe help some blankets. We'll have hundreds of blankets that will bless so many families because of you saying yes. Mary was blessed too. And you think, well, how, Tom? It seems like all she did went through was struggles. Maybe they were wondering to themselves, you know, again, was this plan right? Was this, was this what God had for me? And then what happens? Bam, the wise men show up, right? You know the story. And what do they bring? They bring gifts for a king. It's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I don't know what the value was, but I have a feeling it was worth a lot. These guys traveled days to bring these gifts to this king. What's really interesting, we're talking about the manger and, and, and um if you read the story, the, the wise men were talked to by an angel and it says, you're going to know this is the this sign. You're going to see this sign. This is the child. This is the king. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. God had a plan this whole time. Sometimes we're going through stuff and we're thinking, why is this happening? Why am I doing this? Why am I having this struggle? Why am I faced with this? God's God. You've got to trust him. So Mary was obedient. Next thing is Mary was confident. She was confident. Not confident in herself. It kind of reminds me of the story of uh, Sarah who plays keyboards here in the band. And her daughter, I think she's about five, her, her name is Jasmine. And I call her Jazzy. So she corrected me last week, uh, making sure that I knew how to spell her name properly. <laughs> she's something. She's a pistol. And, uh, but she said to her mom, and Sarah relayed this to me, goes, Mom, we can do anything we want here in this church. And Sarah's like, why? Because you work here, Mom. She had confidence in her mom because she plays in the band. You work here, mom. That's not the confidence I'm talking about. I'm talking about the confidence that Mary had was in Christ. Yes, she had an angel appear to her. Yes, she knew she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. But if we go back to that story of Jesus being left at the temple by his parents, what is Jesus' response? But why did you need to search for me? Didn't you know I'd be doing my father's will? I had to be in my father's house? And it says in your notes, you'll see it, she stored all these things in her heart. She stored all these things. She watched Jesus grow up. She saw the example of his life. She learned from watching this child grow up. And all the details were stored. You know what I learned? I've been married almost 30 years now. <laughs> I've learned something. Gals, you don't forget anything. <laughs> you don't forget anything about anyone at any time. I mean, I, I, the details are amazing. You guys are, like, amazing. And that's exactly what Mary did. She stored everything. I mean, I came home the other day, and I had a long day. It was probably 12, 15-hour day. I don't even know. And Christine was like, how was your, my wife, Christine was like, how was your day? And I made the mistake of saying, good. How many of you guys know that that's not going to fly? We needed to have a discussion, and I needed to go through my day. If I didn't, I was going to pay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. And then you look at that handout. Last week, Pastor Brian gave us um, the scripture from Matthew. It basically said the same thing. Angel showed up. She was going to have a baby. You know, But it was about a third of the way. I mean, Matthew wrote for guys. I think Luke wrote for women. I mean, look at all the detail in here. 
I'm just having a little fun with you, but I think it's so true. It's kind of neat. Let's move on. But look at the first miracle that Jesus did, right? The wedding in Cana, which is Jesus turning water into wine. It's a great story. And what does Mary say to him? Mary said, they have no more wine. Now, let's go back for a second. You know, weddings were a big, big deal back in their culture because the couples got married. They didn't go on a honeymoon. They didn't go to Cabo. They didn't go to the Dominican. They didn't go anywhere. It lasted, the weddings lasted about seven days. And it would have been a massive, major embarrassment for this family to run out of wine. Most people think it was around three days or so. About halfway into it, they ran out of wine. I mean, how can you party without that? Okay. And then also, most people think that this wedding was actually John's, the Apostle John, because John was related to Jesus. And that's why Jesus and his mom and his family would have been there. So she says, they have no more wine. Isn't that typical, guys? (laughs) What she was saying was something a little different. Now, I live in a house with three other gals, so pray for me. (laughs) Because I'm still working on this stuff here. But, you know, if I end up leaving something, I have a habit of sometimes leaving clothes on the floor. I know. I'm working on it. And, you know, I'm, I'm on the 12 steps. No. Uh, but I have a habit of leaving. And, you know, and she'll, my wife will come up, are those your pants? And I, I'll say to her, if they're not, i got a couple questions of my own for you, you know. <laughs> I'm just having a little fun. But, you know, it's like, and then she says to me the other day, hey, you know what's going to snow? And what I figured out, what that means is make sure the garage is ready for the cars to be in. Make sure we have oil in the tank. Make sure the shovels are out ready to go. Make sure stuff is off the deck. Make sure, this is all, I'm like, can you help us out? Help us out, gals. We're not divine. We, we don't know how to figure it You've got to just tell us. You've got to explain it to us. You've got to tell us, take care of this. Got it. I'm having a little fun, but isn't that true? She says, we have no more wine. She's saying, Jesus, do something. She had confidence. What did she say? He says, oh, Mom, I can't do anything right now. And he goes, just do whatever he says. She's like, whatever. Just do whatever he says. I believe she saw several things in Jesus' life growing up. Now, I'm just going to have a little fun. This is not in the Bible. But, I just, you know, you start thinking about it. Imagine Jesus as a little kid. They were all at the pool. Mary had to pull him aside and say, hey, Jesus, Jesus, no more walking on the water. Swim in the water like the other kids. Come on. I don't know, right? Think about it. Or maybe, the, maybe the, the family dog, Fluffy, gets hit by a chariot one day and dies. And all the kids are crying, and Mary's like, come on, Jesus, look at Fluffy's dead. And, and he's like, Mom, I'm too young. I can't, I'm not ready yet. You know, come on, kids. She takes her other kids, and they, we're going to pray. She winks at Jesus, and he bends over. Oh, he's alive, you know. I don't know. I'm having a little fun with you, but you know what? She had confidence in Christ, because I believe she saw things in his life that gave her confidence in him. Mary was also, and you know, Mary was also always a mom. And what do I mean by that? I mean, God wired men and women differently. And I believe every woman is wired to nurture and care for others, especially children. I see this all the time. We have a daycare, sunny days downstairs, which is a great, great daycare. And I watch this. I get a chance because I work and I walk by and I'll see the kids and they know me and, and we get high fives and hugs and they're just great kids. But I watch these gals for eight hours a day love on these kids. And I just remember last week I came by and there was a kid crying and he had boogers hanging out and the whole nine yards. I mean, this kid was, it was a mess. He was having a tough day. And the gal was just loving on him. I'm saying, I would have lasted like 15 minutes there. 
I'll say, straighten up, smarten up, get your act together. Let's go, kid. You know, he's probably three. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm not wired that way. And I watch these gals nurture and care, smile and give hugs, and just love on these kids. Sometimes they're unlovable. That's a gift that you have. And just a little side plug, I think they're looking for, if you know somebody looking for a job in that field, let us know. They can get an application. I think they're looking for more people down there. So get involved and make some money. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so Mary was always a mom. She's wired to nurture. And then if you look at the story, fast forward to Jesus being nailed to the cross. And Mary's standing in front of him with John and just crying, looking up at his body. is destroyed, beat up. I mean, beyond recognition, it says, hanging all bloody on a cross. And he looks down and sees his mom. And he sees John. And he says, Mary, this is your son. John, this is your mother. It's almost like God saying, I know that you're going to have a boy now. I'm going to be gone. But I'm going to replace that. Maybe some of you are saying, you know, I can't have any kids. Or my kids have grown up and had kids or moved away. And I, 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 I'm not going to be a mom anymore. That doesn't mean you can't still be a mom to somebody else's kids. Or can't be a nurturing mom in his way to somebody else. I look at my sister, Rachel. She was born with a disease, incurable disease called cystic fibrosis. And they gave her 10, they said, maybe if she lived to be 10 years old. And she's a lot older than that now. I'm not going to say how old. She's up there, though. No. Uh, (laughs) But but she's defied all the odds. And she can't have children of her own because of her physical condition and some of the things and surgeries and things that happened with her disease when she was a baby. But she's adopted my kids. And what a blessing to have that. Not only adopted my kids, of being another mom in a sense, but also other kids that maybe, I've watched her mentor other children and other young adults that have CF. I even heard her one time on the phone with a young gal. Say, yeah, I know, I've been through that. I did this. And it's just encouraging and edifying and uplifting and loving this gal that wasn't sure and, and you know, was kind of scared or fearful about something she was going through. And here's my sister giving her her time and her love, nurturing and caring. Then look at my mom, who in the midst of fighting for her life right now, she has stage four cancer and it's progressing pretty rapidly and it's been really tough the last couple months. And and, um, my sister and I went to a, uh, I think it was a week or so ago, went to uh, a sister as she had a procedure done, it was a surgery and and the first thing out of her mouth, when she wakes up from her surgery, she looks at me and says, did you get something to eat? That's my mom. Because she knows that food will cure everything, right? Does anybody have a mom like that? I mean, you did not not finish your plate in my house. Because there was some kid in China starving or something. I don't know. I mean, we had to finish. But that's my mom. Even in this time of struggling for her life, she's more concerned about me. What's really cool, guys, is that the more you read about Mary, you'll see that in the book of Acts, which is after Jesus is, he's crucified, he dies, he's raised from the dead the third day, and he hangs out with his disciples and teaches them and, 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 and trains them for 40 days, and then he ascends to heaven to be with the Father. The book of Acts records that they were all together, and he goes up, and then they go back to Jerusalem, and they're in this house, and, and Mary is blessed. It says this, they were all met together, the apostles, right? Disciples were all there. 
And we're constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was blessed beyond measure. Why? Because, yes, her son was in heaven, but she got a whole batch and dozens of other sons and daughters now to love on, to bless, and encourage. We're going to have the band come up and close out with a song. And Bottom line, friends, Mary's life is not much different than ours. No, you're probably not going to be called on to give birth to this Messiah. Okay, that might be different. But you're going to be called and picked and asked to do something by God. And what did Mary do? She said yes. She made a decision and said yes. It changed everything, not only for her, but for us. She put aside her ambitions, her desires, her wants, her needs, her goals, whatever, her dreams, her reputation. And she trusted God. God has a plan. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't understand it, he has a plan and he has got this. So by saying yes, by Mary saying yes, it allowed us, by opening the door to salvation, to have a relationship with her son. And we are still talking about her 2,000 years from when this happened. And every year at Christmas time, we talk about Mary, don't we? We talk about this amazing young woman that said yes. She was real. She was human. She was just like you and I. She said yes. And we're going to play a song as we wrap up. And this is an old hymn. Now, if anybody knows me, you know that I'm not a hymn kind of guy. I like rock and, you know, guitar and stuff like that. But every time I hear this hymn, it just does something to my heart, something to my soul. It touches me. Because Mary lived a life of surrender. Not a life about herself, but a life of surrendering her life giving up her time, talents, and trust, giving up everything she had for Jesus. And maybe you are sitting here, maybe you haven't totally surrendered. You haven't said yes. Or maybe you did halfway, get your toe in the water. You didn't go all in. You're missing a lot. You're missing the blessings. You're missing the rewards. You're missing the fun. The real fun is when God touches your life and blesses you. So we're going to stand up if we could together. And as you hear the song, listen to the words and pray and ask God. Maybe there's something that's holding you back. Maybe there's something that you haven't surrendered. Enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, to Jesus
to Jesus.